Bienvenidos, I'm your host Lore, and this is Creepy Chisme. Warning, some stories and information on Creepy Chisme may be triggering and are not suitable for all, especially young children. Please listen with caution. Thank you. Hola. Hey, everybody. It is March, y'all. And um, we are, well, by we, I mean all the northerners and some southerners this year who got some snow. We are almost out of the winter hell we have been living in for the past what feels like a year. <laughs> I feel like maybe we're going to get one more good snow, but then we'll be free, I hope. Oh God, I hope. <laughs> I cannot wait to just sit in my yard by a fire telling creepy stories with my family. Yeah, my whole family, they're weirdos like me, but you already knew that. <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to thank those that have reached out on Creepy Cheese My Facebook group or by email or on my Instagram. I hear you and I will get to your recommendations. I write everything down. Um, a lot of you actually gave me some recommendations on things that I already have planned. <laughs> so yeah, listeners, we're thinking the same. We're thinking the same. A quick hello and shout out to some new listeners in foreign countries. I have Spain, Morocco, Switzerland, United Kingdom, and Sweden. I can't, I still can't believe people I hope you understand me <laughs> but thank you for listening seriously thank you today we have a good one for you I'll get into that in a little bit but before I do I want to warn I want to warn you today's episode is a little rough to hear if you are new to the true crime world if you're a weirdo like me then you'll be fine and I hope you will keep listening but I am warning you now that there will be some triggering topics in this episode. So right now, I want to take the time to um, go ahead and introduce my guest. Yes, I have a guest. She's like a second mom to me. And man, I gave her hell as a kid. <laughs> I gave her hell. Yes, I did. She's actually the one who first introduced me to serial killers in my family. And it's one of our favorite topics to discuss. All right, welcome my sister Lala, or Laura, but we all call her Lala, who is a huge true crime fan just like me. Now I've warned you guys, some of the topics in these stories are going to be a little triggering. Uh, I get into some pretty deep details. If you're not interested in this kind of stuff, the next case isn't as bad as this one. Um, so I hope you stick around for that one. But just giving a warning before I start talking, it's going to be a little rough to hear. For those of you who are weirdos like we are, stick around because this is a good one. All right, so the this one is called The Toolbox Killers. Ooh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> now, I found this one by accident. I was actually looking for somebody who, one day I'll talk about, the Toy Box Killer. Do you know that one? I've never heard of that one. That one is insane. 
I'm talking about I've never been left with my mouth open over a serial killer. And I, I mean, serial killers do some crazy stuff, but this man was, the way I describe him is like out of a Rob Zombie horror oh movie. Oh gosh. Like, you, you think of like this trailer trash guy, nasty, dirty, oh, I can't wait for you to hear that one. Well, I was looking for the toy box killer and I found the toolbox killers, which this story was wild. And it was happening around the time all those serial killers in California. Because they were all like around the late 70s, 80s. Like Ted Bundy period? Cool. Yes. Quick summary, since you don't know. But uh, these guys, they raped, tortured, and murdered young girls in California in a van. And they fixed the van up specifically for this. So they didn't know each other all their lives. So let me explain a little background. We're not making excuses for these guys, but it's always good to know a little backstory. So we have Roy Norris and a Lauren Sigmund Bittiger. Let's talk about Lawrence Bittiger. Born in 1940, so he was adopted shortly after his birth. His biological parents never wanted kids. So he was an accident and they gave him up, which is crazy. I'm sure that means his mom probably didn't take care of herself when she was pregnant. So drinking and drugs, she was into all of it, which is scientifically proven, causes mental and physical problems. Um, as a child with his adoptive family, he did move a lot because his dad worked in the aircraft factories. Um, but after all the moving, they do settle in California. His mom drank and did drugs. But he was a literal genius. He had an IQ of 138. <laughs> because I am not a genius, I had to look up what a high IQ, <laughs> what a high IQ is for those of us out there that don't know. But apparently a score of 116 or more is above average. And anything higher than 130 is, like, very high. So he had 138. Well, most serial killers have are, are smart because they're, they're cunning. They just use their intelligence for a whole other practice. <laughs> but That's most true. of them, I mean, look at Ted Bundy, you know, he was his own lawyer. He went to law school. Some of them are really smart. I didn't think about that. You're right. But he did drop out of high school because of other reasons. He, was, he wasn't the best student. Um, so he ends up dropping out, and that was in 1957. He was into drinking and drugs. He was a quiet kid, though. He wasn't like a party animal. So he had a few run-ins with police, just minor stuff, a lot of robberies, but he was finally booked when he stole a car and then crashed it and left the scene of the crime. So that was like his first time in prison. So he was 17 when that happened, and he didn't get out until he was 19. So then he gets into some more trouble. Now, <laughs> as I was doing research for this, let me just keep going, okay? <laughs> and then I'll ask you how angry you are. So he goes back to jail for a parole violation. So he gets out, violates, goes back. So in 1959, he's sentenced to 18 months, apparently in prison, he was a bit of an asshole. And so, so much so that they actually sent him to get evaluated at a medical facility. So I don't know exactly what he did in prison, like what 
his behaviors were, but they sent him to get tested and it is determined that he has paranoia and he's borderline psychotic. They release him after six months, so none of that matters, right? They, they still just let him they out still let him out. Still let him out. So in nineteen sixty, the next year, he's arrested again. But this time more severe. I'm not sure what it was. He was he was always booked for either theft, robbery. So maybe it was like robbery at gunpoint or this time he gets one to fifteen years in state prison. So while serving, he still causes trouble. Send him again. <laughs> they determine he has again paranoia, borderline psychotic, and cannot control his actions. But guess what? They let him out. <laughs> they release him in 1963, so barely three years. So now he's about 23, but we're not done yet. Two months later, he gets another violation for a robbery. And again, in 1964. So literally every year, this guy is being put into prison. So again, they reevaluate his psych. Same things. I don't know why they keep sending him. Yeah. It's not doing anything. (laughs) Like, yeah, we got this. You know, you like to rob people, but we'll still let you go. You're a little crazy, but we'll still let you go out there. I mean... Either that or that's how bad California was. I was in just the 70s. thinking that. Like he, he's a petty crimes, you know. Here, here you go. You can go back out. But there. even if it was petty crimes, if you're being mentally evaluated, yeah. And the one that got me was can't control his actions. Yeah, that's a big red flag there. <laughs> this dude has red flags all over. Okay, so and night, so they let him out again, right? So that was 1964, 1967. Arrested again for theft and a hit and run. Sentenced to five years. Released after three. And good behavior? I don't know. It can't <laughs> like, be why good do they behavior. Keep letting him go? It can't be good behavior. So in 1970, he's out. 71. Again, violation. That right there is how many violations? Just keep him. From, Just keep him in yeah. there. Now, I don't know what this was, but sentenced six months to 15 years. What the hell kind of sentence is six months? Yeah. To 15 15 years. years. And guess what? Out after three. Three months or three years? Three years. Which is nothing. (laughs) Just Okay, but he's getting to the end of his his line here. Or the beginning of his... Or the beginning, whatever you want to call it. So let's talk about the supermarket incident. Now, here is a man who's being put in and out of jail. And they're literally slapping him on the wrist. Why would he feel the need to be a good citizen right so he's becoming more dangerous now this supermarket incident is the turning point that sends him away to the big house what happened was he was at the grocery store and he stuffed a steak down his pants (laughs) i wonder what kind of steak it was (laughs) 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 t-bone all right anyway so um an employee saw him do it so the employee confronts him outside. Now Lawrence wastes no time. He just stabs the employee. Just stabs him in front of broad daylight in front of people. For a steak? For a steak in his pants. Oh my God. <laughs> so they charge him with attempted murder. But because the worker did not die, he survived. It was just attempted murder. And they send him off to California Men's Colony in San Luis Obispo. 
<sighs> and here's where he meets Roy Norris. Dun, dun, dun. Before we get into that, let's talk about Roy. Now, Roy didn't find as much information on, but kind of similar. So he was conceived out of wedlock, which is a huge no-no back then. So his parents married to avoid the backlash, but they hated each other. They hated each other. The father was abusive. The mother was abusive with drugs and alcohol, but they did it so that nobody would talk about them. Throughout his childhood, he did live in foster care because his parents would lose custody and then they'd get him back. And like a lot of kids in foster care, he was abused, neglected, both sexually and physically abused. So when he was 16, he visited a family friend who was in her early 20s and he became a little too forward with her. So much so that she kicked him out and she called his dad. And the dad beat the crap out of him. So he's 16 years old. He steals his dad's car and he drives out to the Rocky Mountains. They live in Colorado, by the way. And he attempts suicide. Nobody looked for him. I think like a random dude in the mountains found him. And they send him home. They don't even like send him to the mental hospital. They just send him home. So like Bittaker, he was also a high school dropout. He wasn't a genius. I was just going to ask. No. They have a high IQ. <laughs> no. He enlisted in the Navy at the age of 17 since he dropped out. This is weird. Not weird. This makes sense. So he only did four months in Vietnam. He did not see combat. He was honorably discharged. And I wasn't sure why. I did find something that said he had psychological problems and they discharged him. But honorably yeah <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway so in 1969 he was arrested for attempted rape while on bail from uh this crime he is picked up again for attacking a woman in her home but she was smart enough to call police as soon as he got in so nothing happened okay. they got there in time believe it or not um in may 1970 while on bail He's another good one. <laughs> While on bail, he attacks a female student at San Diego State University. Now this one, he jumped her. I think he was like hiding in a bush and he just jumps out, hits her on the head with a rock, and then slammed her head several more times into the concrete. So this wasn't just an assault. This He wanted to kill her. Yeah. So the woman survived. So, of course, he was only charged with assault, with a deadly weapon, a rock. Unbelievable. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, but if somebody hits your head more than once into the ground, that's not just assault. That's... No, they're trying to kill you. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Like this, just researching this, I was just getting so angry because so many times they could have just kept these dudes in jail. All right. So he sent to Atascadero State Hospital as a sex offender and he spends five years there so when he's released he's considered no longer a danger to society i don't know how who was the doctor who evaluated him <laughs> like i want to know now i should have looked into this i want to know if there was overcrowding in the prisons could have been during this time because this is ridiculous absolutely yeah. ridiculous so like i said all warning signs are there for both of these assholes and yet 
they just keep letting him out. Letting him out. Three months later, after he's out, Norris attacks and rapes a 27-year-old woman. He's convicted of forcible rape and sent to California Men's Colony. Here we go. That's where Bittaker is, in case you're not following along. Pay attention, y'all. So now we've got two crazies in a pod, or two crazies in a cell. All right, so while in prison, Norris claims Bittaker saved his life a few times. Uh, I guess the prisoners would pick on him. He was kind of dorky looking, but so was everybody in the 70s, so I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, apparently like he saved his life a few times, so in prison world, like you kind of owe your life to these someone who does that for you. Mm-hmm. So they form a friendship, and one day while in prison, Norris talks about how he loves the look of fear on a woman's face while he controls her. But then Bittaker's like, well, if I ever raped a woman, I'd kill her because then no one can turn me in. You know, typical prison conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this just shows like how freaking crazy they are. It's just a normal conversation for them. So Bittaker's released in 1978. And then the following year, Norris is released. So Norris had this weird obsession with finding his mother. Even though she was a horrible woman and didn't want him, he always wanted to find his mother. So he moves to LA with his mother. It's believed that they did a little more than cuddling. Oh no. Oh yes. And for those of you who don't get it, incest. There was rumor that they were having an, how do you say, ancestral relationship? Yep. It happens, people. It happens. <laughs> Somehow, these two bozos decide to meet up because they're friends. They meet up one night in L.A. And they form a deeper friendship. And they start making a plan. So their plan is they want to rape and murder local girls. Now, I only saw this in one documentary I watched. The reason they made this plan was because they wanted to kill and rape a girl of every age. Oh my god. Like, like how young were they going to I don't know, but that's all they said. And I only saw that one time, so I don't know if that's true or not. But wouldn't put it past them. Again, here we have two men that have been in and out of prison. And they're going to sit here and make a murder plan. Not scared of the law at all. No, they're going to get a couple months and be back out on the streets again. So to start their plan... <laughs> they buy a 1977 GMC cargo van. A white van. Everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> so they nickname it Murder Mac. And in trial, they use the name a lot when describing this. So yes, the creepy van with no windows in the back, empty in the back of the vehicle, and a large sliding door. Your typical child molester van, the one your parents stay, yeah. say... Stay away from <laughs> the van with no windows. Yep. Yeah. So they fix up the van and they actually made like a raised bed in the back so that one of them can hide under it and pop out and grab the girl. They had it all planned. They had a cooler in the van for drinks to lure the girls. And of course, we can't forget the toolbox with God knows what inside. 
We'll find out what's in there. I was going to say, I have to say what it is. What's in there? We'll find out what's in there. All right. So, Murder Max ready to go. So, they cruise along the Pacific Coast Highway, stopping at the beaches, talking to the girls. These dudes were ugly, by the way. I'll post a picture of them. But they had drinks in the back of their truck. (laughs) Exactly. So, they offer the girls booze and marijuana. So, of course, late 70s. You're going to get girls, no matter how ugly you are. So Norris claims they picked up about 20 girls without harming them. But later detectives find more than 500 different Polaroid photos of smiling young women who have never been identified. Now, that's not saying they killed 500 girls, but picked up at least. They were perfecting their Yes. And they claim that they had to do these test runs because they didn't find the perfect spot to complete the plan. So eventually they do find a spot down a closed road in the San Gabriel Mountains. So it was completely blocked off, but they used their trusty tools and broke it and they would drive down this road up to the mountains. And the reason they liked this spot was because it had very steep cliffs. Take a guess. Take a guess. Take a guess. And make it hard for them to escape and run. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here we go. So they've now practiced picking up girls. It's working. The girls enjoy their company. Girls are starting to talk about them because they're picking so many girls up. So here we go. So the first victim, June 24th, 1979. Remember, Norris just got out of prison. Mm -hmm. It's 1979. That's when he got out. So we have 16-year-old Cindy Schaefer, 16 years old. So it's about 11 a.m., so it's early. They head out to find their first victim. They drive north, stopping frequently between Redondo Beach and Santa Monica, looking for female hitchhikers. Easy target, hitchhikers. Now, they spent all day driving back and forth. I don't know if they were nervous. I don't know if they were... See, I'm trying to be nice. (laughs) Maybe they're thinking about it. No, they knew what they wanted to do. So, 5 p.m., they spot 16-year-old Cindy Schaefer. Cindy wasn't even at the beach, ironically. She was on her way home from a church youth group. Yes, she lived with her grandmother. She was walking home after church youth group. So they pull up alongside her with Murder Mac and they ask if she wants a ride. But she's a smart girl and she says no and she keeps walking. So this pisses them off and they trail behind her for a little bit. They speed up and they pull into a driveway and Norris, who's hiding in the back, slides up in the door, gets out and he tries to talk to her again. And he asks if she wants a ride but again she brushes him off So he just grabs her and pulls her into the van. And as he does this, Bittaker uh, blasts the radio. And then, of course, the motor conceals the screams. You can't even hear her. Poor girl. But she's not a dumb girl because she leaves her shoe. Now, I don't know if she did it on purpose, but in my head, I've always thought about this. She left a shoe at the scene of the crime in the driveway. Okay. And I've always told myself, if somebody takes me, I'm going to leave something. Something, drop something, so people know. Immediately, they tape her lips closed and they bind her wrists and ankles. They get to their spot in the mountains. They drive all the way to the spot in the mountains. 
and they smoke a little, I guess, to calm themselves. And they're talking to the girl. They're asking her about her family, what she's into. I guess showing her like they're nice guys. Just want to have a good time. Mm -hmm. But then it begins. They order her to strip. Bitteker leaves Norris with the girl for about an hour to give them some privacy, he said. Thought, yes and then he comes back and he has his turn so the way they want to dispose of her is to strangle her so norris tries to strangle the girl but he can't do it he's a pussy he actually jumps out of the van and starts barfing because he can't do it he can't do it so bitteker attempts to try but he says that somehow, as he's strangling her, she's still breathing and jerking, and it's freaking him out. So Norris comes back, opens the toolbox, takes out a wire hanger. No wire hangers. <laughs> Mommy dear. Yes. Takes out the wire hanger. This is awful, and I literally cringe when I think about this. And he twists it around her neck. And if that's not enough, he grabs his pliers. And continues tightening it. He claims it takes about 15 seconds of convulsing. And she's gone. Awful. So they wrap her in a shower curtain. And they found a deep cannon. Cannon. (laughs) (laughs) They found a deep canyon and throw her off. Throw her off the cliff. Now, the reason they said they weren't worried about just throwing off the bodies was because apparently there was a lot of animals, wildlife in the area, so they knew that they would eat the bodies. And later, there's some girls, they never found anything. Wow. Yeah. So it's easy cleanup. So they both are happy. They did it. Their first kill. Their first kill. They probably celebrated. Probably, uh, Norris probably went home and slept with mommy. Gross. (laughs) I had to do it, sorry. (laughs) You have to laugh in true crime, otherwise you're weird, okay? So, anyway, they both say that it's almost a perfect murder. But next time, they need a trophy, right? Lots of serial killers need something to remind them. Their pictures aren't enough? They didn't take pictures yet. Oh, well, they were taking pictures of the girls they were picking up, but, and maybe they, no, they haven't taken pictures yet. Okay. Because they start to. Okay. Because they're catching these girls off guard. So, um, in his prison pen memoir, Bitteker actually wrote a memoir. He recalled that the whole time Cindy was composed and she just accepted what was about to happen to her. He claimed she didn't cry, she didn't resist, but... That's how he makes it okay with himself. I thought that too. I think he thinks he thinks that so that he feels better about it. Mm-hmm. If he even cares at all. You gotta think, a 16-year-old girl with these creepy guys pull you in a van, you're not gonna be okay with it. This poor girl suffered, and that's how he made it. You know, I'm, I, I'm a good person. I wouldn't even read his memoir. No. Because he, and, and police officers say too, like he's just, he's full of himself. All right, so the second victim, July 8th, a few weeks later, because that was June 24th, July 8th, 
18-year-old Andrea Hall. Again, a hitchhiker who they were actually about to pull over and grab, but the car ahead of them beat them to it. So this enraged them because that was the one they chose. So they actually follow the vehicle and wait till they drop her off. Oh no, that's yeah. horrible. <laughs> she yes. was almost home. Yep. Or they wait. She was no, going. no, no. They think they just dropped her off like on another exit. Okay. So they got off, but she stood on the highway. So they pick her up. Now she accepts, of course. So Norse was hiding under the bed that they built in the back of the van, and Bitteker offers her a cold drink. It's a hot day. She's hitchhiking. Of course she wants a drink. So as she's going to fetch it from the cooler, Norris lunges at her feet and then fights to subdue her. Now this girl fought hard. Um, Bitteker cranks up the tombs in Murder Mac and eventually he does bind her and covers her mouth. So they drive out to their spot in the mountains. This time, no talking. They just get right down to it, taking turns raping the poor girl and Norris decides he's thirsty, so he goes on to be a run. And he, this is coming from Norris, so again, we don't know how true this is, but he claims he went to get beer. And when he came back, Bitteker was smirking, laughing at some Polaroids he had that he took of the girl. And he asked him where what happened, and he was like, eh, I got rid of her. So he did it on his own. Now, in the pictures, he actually made the girl in the nude. He was having fun. He told her to climb the mountain because there was like a cliff. So there's pictures of this poor girl naked climbing a mountain. There's pictures of her just looking completely terrified. Oh, weird. So those are his, that's his prize he's going to take from this one. So Bittiger claims the way he disposed of the girl was he, from the toolbox... I don't know how many of you carry ice picks in your toolbox, but he had lots of ice picks in there. So he stabbed her in each ear with an ice pick. But the ice picks are not long enough to reach your brain or to get in, you know. They get in there, but they don't. So the poor girl was just suffering. It wasn't until he strangled her that she finally passed away. And he threw her off a cliff, but he doesn't remember which cliff. Again, this is coming from Norris. I don't know if, you know, maybe he figured less time if I'm not involved with this one. I don't know. I don't believe anything these jerks say, honestly. No, not at all. Or how, how do they... It's crazy how they can retell a story and it seems like they remember, like, all this stuff. Like, I don't know how many people they ended up killing but so meant so much that they remember each little victim each little person like that is and the way they were feeling and what the girls say and how they look it's just that's why i say like i don't do i believe it i don't know i think they fix it up the way they think it went in their head mm -hmm. yeah uh, so the third victim now labor day september so another month or so Two months almost after, we have two girls, 15-year-old Jackie Gilliam and 13-year-old Leah Lamp. Oh, my God. Babies, literal babies. So they pick up the two girls who were not even at the beach. 
They were sitting at a bus stop and they pulled over and they asked them if they wanted to smoke and drink. Of course, of course they go. So what happens is they get in the van, the youngest one, uh, Leah Lamp, starts getting suspicious because she notices they're driving away from the beach and towards the mountains. So she starts freaking out and she's trying to open the side door. So Norris freaks out and hits her in the head with a baseball bat. So she's knocked out. He starts uh, binding the other girl and then he duct tapes both of them. So they drive to their spot where they keep them for two days. Oh my gosh. Now they're just getting big headed. They must feel invincible. Nobody's caught them. Nobody knows what they're doing. So they rape and tortured and recorded it on audio. And, and in trial, this audio tape is played and the poor girl's parents had to listen to that. So in the audio tape, Norris is forcing Jackie Gilliam to role play as his cousin as he's abusing her. Remember. Is that the one that has yes, relations with his mother? That's the one. Oh. He's obviously got something for family members. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. Yes. I'll never understand that. But after two days of torturing the poor girls, Bittaker te- uh, tells Norris he's late for work. <laughs> yes. he just remembered he had his job it must have been like gotta a get back to saturday sunday monday's gotta get to work i don't know they have to dispose of the body so we have the ice pick method stabbing gilliam in both ears even though it didn't work last time but he's still gonna do it and like i said the ice picks never fully kill them fast enough but they both take turns strangling her so this is becoming normal to them Whereas in the beginning, Norris couldn't even do it. Now he's a pro. So they strangled and bludgeoned poor the little one, Lamp, with a sledgehammer. And they threw the girls off, leaving the ice picks in the ears. So they don't even care anymore. They're being sloppy. They just, again, like I said, they feel invincible. (laughs) Nobody's going to catch on. All right, so that was the beginning of September. They don't even wait a month this time. They just, September 30th, 1979, we have Shirley Sanders. Now, Shirley didn't even live in California. She was visiting her father, I believe, um, at Manhattan Beach. She's from Oregon. Now, she declined to get in to murder Mac, and they pepper sprayed her and forced her in. She was raped. But she escaped because they were, like I said, they're feeling invincible, can't do anything wrong. They made a mistake somehow and she escaped. She took a chance. She saw, what do you say? Like she saw the opportunity and she booked it and she got away. She actually ran straight to the police. Oh, was, did, they get, did they take her up to the their area or was that before? No, they were just in the van. Oh, okay. So... I'm trying not to laugh, but this would happen to me because <laughs> they ask her, can you please identify the vehicle? And she... It's a blue van. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and I, I I, get it because I'm the same way. I always say if I see an accident, I would be like, I don't know, a red car <laughs> with two headlights. <laughs> a clear window. A clear window. <laughs> 
four doors. <laughs> yeah. So she can't. She doesn't remember the license plate, so they can't pursue anything. Poor girl. So they take time off because now they're scared. She got away. They're scared. But after weeks of nothing, they decide to hunt on Halloween night. Ooh, creepy. Yes, very. That's every kid's, like, worst nightmare. (laughs) Yes. So their fifth victim, Lynette Ledford, 16 years old, October 31st, 1979. Wasn't that when Halloween came out? Was it? I think so. Wasn't it? I think, yeah. Maybe they watched that they were celebrating. Oh my god. Okay, again, hitchhiker. Within five minutes, she's attacked. So they just pick her up and go. They don't even want to wait to get to the mountain. Again, you think they would learn from the last mistake. Um, So they just drive around LA, both taking turns abusing her in the back. Audio recording it. The girl is like constantly being slapped and forced to say things. In this case, they have more info because of the audio tapes, but like they use pliers on her, making her shout things like scream baby. They used a hammer on her. They parked the van, pulled out a coat hanger, tied it with pliers, and it's Halloween, right? They think it'll be pretty funny if they just dump her on someone's front lawn. So the next morning, whoever's lawn it was, they find her. Can you imagine the day after Halloween and you see that? You gotta think it's a prop. Uh, that's like what I thought. Oh, somebody left their costume out there or uh, whatever. And then go up to it. Oh, no. I'd be scarred for life. Literally. I would never want to celebrate no, Halloween never. after that. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. All right. Only days before, police arrested Angelo Bo- Bono. Buono, the hillside strangler. <gasps> yes. I was going to ask about that because this is all around the same <laughs> this time. This is happening the yeah. exact same time. Now, when they caught Angelo, the hillside strangler, they thought these missing girls were his victims. Yes. But literally, on he's arrested on October 22nd. This girl shows up on somebody's lawn on Halloween. Can you imagine these police? What if they would have let him go? Bono or the, the Hillside Strangler? Like, oh, we got the wrong guy. No, no. They're, they're so he many. did it different. Okay. He did it a little. He, he also had, like, specific things. But, like, just imagine. It's like, fuck. Ooh, there's yeah, somebody, somebody else. else is out there. Oh, okay. So he was a hillside strangler and his cousin, another duo actually, arrested, I told you, October 22nd. (laughs) That's the dogs running upstairs. uh, For murder of 10 young women. Now they would lure the young women with fake police badges. Do you know the hillside strangler? It's another good one. That's a good one. They take them home and pretty much just torture them. Yeah. I know that one, and then around the same time, they had Ear, the East Area Rapist, all going on in California around the same time. There's a conspiracy theory about that period of time and why there were so many serial killers during that time. And it's either serial killers have gotten really good, 
or they believe it was something due to like lead. Really? Yeah. And, or other things that they took away. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it could be. I don't know. Why were there so many back then? It made it... I think there was that... Like, these guys, like, you know, they're killing these girls. They're raping these girls. There's no... It's hard to track them. So I'm just getting away, you know, literally with murder. And nobody's really looking for me. Nobody's really, you know trying to they're trying to solve them but i think there's so many that they had some time to to spare i just can't imagine feeling like whoo we did it boys and then let's go another one. <laughs> oh, what, the cops yeah, yeah. the cops <laughs> not them the cops like we yeah. did it and shit like another let's one go back out there let's put our boots <laughs> back on and <laughs> go out i can't there. imagine so yeah. these guys the uh, Angelo Buono and his cousin, they would sexually abuse and strangle as well. Reason why they're called the Hillside Strangle. They would also dump the bodies in a specific area. So weird, right? Same, almost the same thing. But these guys were crazy. They experimented with lethal injection, electric shock, and CO2 poisoning. They literally tortured these girls. That's a good one if you want to look up. That's the Hillside Strangler. All right. Believe it or not, that was their last victim. I think. We think. So what happens is Roy Norris can't keep his mouth shut. So he meets up for dinner with an ex-con friend and he starts to brag. Yeah. Again, they're feeling invincible. So he tells them he was a mastermind and the friend didn't believe him until Ledford, the last girl, till her body showed up. So this was before her. No, after her, right? Yeah, after her. He starts to believe him when that breaks out in the news. So he goes to his lawyer, and then they go to the police. So now we have a case here. So the detective in charge of the Ledford case sent an officer to Oregon to talk to Shirley Sanders, the one who got away. They showed her pictures, and she points out Bittaker and Norris. So even though... The detective could have booked them right there. He wanted to build an even stronger case. So he waits. So he waits. Oh. There was no evidence tying them to the Ledford case yet. So I guess because he was only working on the Ledford case, they didn't know about the others yet. So Norrence, Norrence. <laughs> yes, they literally were one person. Yeah. <laughs> Norris was surveillance selling weed on the street. Do they book him? <laughs> for weed. For weed. And not for rape or whatever. This poor girl, they, they don't believe her. So two days before Thanksgiving, they arrest Norris for parole violation on the weed charge. And they booked Bittaker on suspicion of kidnapping and raping Shirley Sanders. So Norris waived his rights and eventually crumbled. So he claimed that it was all Bittaker. And that he owed him the favor for Bittaker saving his life once or twice. And he just went along for the ride. So Norris confessed to these five murders and the ones I talked about. So they're both charged with five counts of first degree, kidnapping, robbery, rape, deviant sexual acts, criminal conspiracy. Both men blamed each other. They're not friends anymore. Of course. They're not friends anymore. Trying to get a less years in yep. prison. 
So Norris claimed he was high, but the audio tapes is what gets them because it shows otherwise. So to avoid the death penalty, weak-ass Norris led police to their dumping grounds. So they found Leah Lamp, Jackie Gilliam, but no Cindy or Andrea. So he was given the plea bargain, and Norris was granted a life sentence with eligibility for parole. So he had to do 45 to life, a minimum of 30 before parole, which I don't think is enough at all. He should have gotten a life sentence for each one of them, so the Mm -hmm. five of them. Apparently, Roy Norris talked about the murders very casually. He claimed it was about dominance for him, which is what he told Bittaker in jail. So he would be regarded as a sociopath who was beyond rehabilitation. Oh, now you want to take it serious. (laughs) Let him out. Let him out. He's okay. Shoot. So they wanted the death penalty for Bittaker, who wrote his memoir titled The Last Ride. Like I said, read it if you want. I wouldn't waste my time. It's all lies. I guarantee it. So in the memoir, he blames Norris, and he claims him as the mastermind. So, (laughs) guilty of the five murders and 21 other related felonies. This is for both, or this is for Bittiger. So the audio tapes were played for the jury, like I told you. No expression or emotion displayed from either of them when talking about the crimes. So just the way we're talking right now. Yeah, they're just... And I raped her, and she tried to get away. I mean, I can't can't imagine seeing that. Okay, so he was sentenced to death on March 24th, 1981. Now, Bittaker died in prison even before they executed him. He had fans. Remember I told you he's crazy? Mm -hmm. He had fans. (laughs) He would sell his fingernail clippings and would sometimes sign his letter to fans with the name pliers now roy norris this scared me a little bit because i was researching this last year when i saw this now he died february 24th Ooh, your birthday 2020 last year he died last year well i was kind of worried i was thinking what that he was still out he was gonna get out like 30 (laughs) years have passed on his way out because well (laughs) that that was that was what sentenced in 81 he would have been out, but they probably didn't let him out. Yeah. Because it said I with... Think, I would hope not. <laughs> I don't know from the <laughs> past. But obviously, they're called the toolbox killers because of all the tools they used. What do you think? Like, do you think there was more victims? I think so. I, I, I think those are the five they admit to. But with all those pictures that they found, there's got to be more. Over 500. Yeah. You can't, like do trial runs with 500 different people and nothing else happened. Like, I love hearing about serial killers and they all, like, they have these practice runs where they're perfecting their craft, but it it gets worse and worse. It doesn't go from taking pictures to killing somebody. Like, there's stuff that's going on in between. There's got to be, if not murders, there's rapes. There's something else. I mean, you have to think, in the beginning, they're literally, when they were doing little things like robberies, they're literally doing this every couple months. Whether they're going to prison or not. Mm -hmm. They get out, they do it again. They get out. So for me to think they only did the five, like the, the last one, 
where they just dump her onto someone's front lawn. Like they didn't care anymore. Yeah, they, they, I'm sorry, but after five, that they have to be. It's so normal for them. It has to be more than five. It has to be. Well, that was the toolbox killers. That's a good one. I've never heard about <laughs> them before. <laughs> yeah, they're um, an interesting bunch. All right, so you live in Indiana, but I live close to Indiana, and I remember hearing this all over the news. So do you remember the Delphi murders? Yes. Yes, I do. I actually just saw a documentary probably a couple of weeks ago. Is it like anniversary or something yes, coming Yes, it's February. Up? It was like February, I have it in here, 14th, 13th, yeah. February 13th. Yes. Yeah, and this was, I think it was 2017. I want to say, yeah, 20. Because I think I told you the other day it was like a year or two. No, it was 2017. It was. All right, so the Delphi murders, for those of you not familiar, happened in Delphi, Indiana. We live in Illinois, so right there. I'm actually not sure. I was going to say, it's down south. But still I know, close. We, we drove to Florida this year, or in September 2020. And, I mean, it's kind of weird, but I got excited because we drove through Delphi, Indiana. Did you stop to go hiking? I, no. <laughs> no, but just to know, like, oh my god, that's, that's this place. <laughs> now, I knew the story from the news. So everything I saw in the news, probably everything you saw. But the more I looked into this, the more suspicious I am. So two young girls are found murdered in Delphi, Indiana on one of the Delphi historic trails. Now this is a very significant case. Now, before I get into details, I wanna say this case as of today has not been solved. So this is a cold case. However, recently some new info has surfaced, so I'll share that. So this case was super popular in the media because of a Snapchat video that one of the little girls posted in the final minutes before, well, they believe in the final minutes of before they were murdered. So we think. There was also audio captured of the killer's voice. So on February 13th at 1.35 p.m., two girls by the name of Abigail Williams, 13, and Liberty Rose Lynn German, 14, were dropped off by German's older sister to hike in a woodland remote area in the Deer Creek Township. Doing something what normal teenagers should be doing, right? Hiking on a nice sunny day. Little did they know. Mm, again, makes me angry. I don't know if it's just like a small town thing. I don't know if Delphi or, uh, is, is like a small town, like if that was the norm. But I know like my daughter is 12. And I know I'm super overprotective. Yes. But I don't think I would just drop her off somewhere, like in in a wooded area, and like here, go ahead and. But call here's me when the thing. Here's the thing. It is normal. It's a small town. It is a small town, and everybody knows everybody, which is why this case is so like the town is like, Ooh, who could do this? It's a trail that people take often. Okay. So I think they let the girls go because there's more people on the trail. Yeah. So at 2.07 p.m., Libby, who's Liberty, posted a photo of Abby walking on a bridge known as the Manon High Bridge, which is literally... Did you see pictures of that bridge? I could not Yeah, it's It's really high up. 
Yeah. That's and there's like... no railing. Like, it's just... I think it was uh, an old train track, right? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like old train tracks. But there's no edging on it. It literally is like... And it's the very narrow. And open. Yeah. Yes. Very narrow. So... Even their mothers in a documentary I watched said, like, they were brave to even cross this because I could never, and I could never, honestly. So it was it was long, too. Like, it, yeah. it was a long bridge to get over. So the girls failed. So what happened is the girls failed to meet Liberty's father, who was supposed to pick them up at 3.15. So they weren't going to be there long. Okay. Because the sister dropped them off at 1.30. So by 3.15, he was going to come pick them up. By 5.30... They're reported missing. Now, the reason the family waited, because they weren't worried. Typical teenage girls, they should be coming out soon of the trail, not worried. So that's why they waited to call police. I don't think that's suspicious. Well, I think differently, and you probably <laughs> think the same as me. I would be like, oh, call the police, like yep. immediately. Yep. But somebody would just be like, oh. Especially if they've got that small town mentality. Yes. Like, oh, they probably found a friend and they're hiking. You know. I mean, you freak out now. when your daughter walks into the next aisle. <laughs> yes. And you're pressing the call button. <laughs> but yes. some people are more, you know, relaxed. Even when authorities show up, they also didn't feel cause for concern because this is Delphi. Nothing. Nothing happens. There. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone grows concerned by nightfall when the girls are still not found. Now, 0.5 miles, so that's not that far. East of the abandoned bridge, they found the two bodies of the young girls. Here's where I start to get suspicious, but also like I kind of get it. Police have never released info on how the girls died yeah. or how they were found. Nothing. Nothing. Now, I get it because people are sick and just knowing one little detail, they're calling and saying, oh, somebody, I don't know. People are freaking weird. But also, you have to give something out, you know? Like, they didn't even say, like, were the girls together? Or how far apart were they? Did they both have this? Nothing has been t said. Nothing. So a few days later, they released a picture of a man walking along the same bridge the girls were on. It's a grainy photo that shows a Caucasian male with hands in his pockets. Uh, he's wearing a blue hoodie and blue jeans and wearing a camo cap. I remember when they released that. It was on Twitter because this whole thing was trending on Twitter. And I remember seeing the picture and I didn't know the whole story, but I figured it was like at a nature park and the security camera took a picture of that man. And I remember thinking too, like, oh, poor guy was probably just out for a walk and they're going to pin this on him. But. <laughs> yeah, he looks like the, the, like this. It's a really grainy photo, but he looks like just your average guy walking down the street. Like they're at least looking at the picture. There doesn't seem to be a threat there, you know, like. So now at first they only wanted to know if anyone knew this man who was in the area. But then a few days later, the police released the photo or the video clip of the man actually walking down the bridge. He was walking pretty quickly. And again, this is a very narrow bridge. And I think it even had like little gaps. So to be walking that quickly over the bridge, now they do claim, because he kind of walks a little weird, 
but they do claim it's because the bridge is not sturdy. At the time, they fixed it now, but they said it wasn't sturdy. They release a sketch also of the man and they name him the prime suspect. So now they're like, this is the guy, do you know him? Now on February 22nd, police release an audio recording of the assailant's voice. It's literally him saying, down the hill and they release it in hopes that somebody knows the voice. So during a news conference, the officials finally say that the audio recording and the video of the man walking were taken by Libby's smartphone. So they labeled her a hero. Hell yeah, she's a hero for even thinking that. I don't even think I would think of doing that. No, but I don't know if you found this. Um, I heard Libby was really into true crime. So she felt something odd, you know, and was smart enough to get that picture and and record uh which i think is really really cool on on you know her behalf because otherwise i mean it, they're still having a tough time but you know it'd be even worse without that uh, they would have nothing mm -hmm. they would have absolutely nothing good job like i just only what 13 i can't imagine mm -hmm. me at 13 i'd have just been booking it or crying or screaming bah <laughs> <laughs> like seriously i wouldn't think to like i don't know but good for her, because that's all we have. That's all we have. Now, what bothers me, though, is unless they knew who this man was, how long was he following them for her to feel something odd and record? Mm -hmm. You know, did he say something to them? Was he following them since they got there? And then, too, it's a trail that lots of people use. What bothers me is, like, who wakes up and is like, I think I'm going to go murder someone today on the trail this had a, these girls just showed up to go hiking for like an hour yeah i don't know which i'll i'll talk about that later okay like i said was he just feeling lucky enough to take a hike and murdering somebody and then he just found these two young girls or i don't know what do you think do you think he knows the girls or at least one of them from the way that he okay so there's those messed up boards right on the on the bridge mm -hmm. and he knew how to maneuver them like he wasn't a stranger to the area i think it's got to be somebody maybe he did know them but I, for sure he knew the area enough to walk over that bridge fast. and they and people do say that like they think he's somebody either from delphi or knows the area because of the way he was just casually walking down has, that bridge. I saw the video or the, the picture where he's walking and he's got his hands in his pocket. And then I looked at the bridge. There's no way I could walk with my hands in my pocket on that bridge. Like, I'd be using my hands out to balance myself. Like, he knew. He knew the, the bridge. Yeah. And I also think, for me to think that he just was walking and saw the two girls and took the opportunity, I don't believe that. I think either he knew the girls knew their family i know yeah you you don't like you said you don't wake up and say i think i'm gonna go to you know hiking and kill some people today like no that so libby was also captured or libby also captured other evidence on her phone but they've yet to re release it due to police claiming it will compromise any future trial here's what i think ready here's my opinion <laughs> so i get a feeling that police know more than we think maybe either more audio or more video of the actual murder so like maybe this man's face because if you see a man in a video you still like other than seeing him you don't know who he is you don't know his name you don't know because also for this man to not take her phone that's evidence not that he knew she was taking video of him but they can't find him nobody nobody knows who this man is so july 17th is when they released the sketch they drew of the bridge guy the first sketch 
because there's two sketches. Have you seen them? They look completely different. Mm-hmm. So the first sketch was made from um, other hikers who saw this man walking that day. So they okay. saw the bridge guy. And that first sketch is him coming from those hikers. So they get so much info. They do get info and so many tips, but still nothing leads them anywhere. So on April 22nd, 2019, two years later, this is when the second sketch comes out, which to me looks completely different. It's two different people. It's two different people. And they claim it's a clean shaven version with no hat. The first one is clean shaven, right? No, no, no. The first one is, he's got a goatee. Okay. If I'm thinking of the right pictures, one of them looks like a younger person, The second one. Right? And then the other one looks like a 40-year-old man or something like that. Yes. The first one looks like the 40-year-old man who has got the hoodie on the hat, just like in the video. The second one, they claim is just what they think he would look like with a clean shave and no hat. But it looks completely different, like a young guy, maybe 20 to 30. And then they made his hair wavy. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. The audio recording is also released a little bit longer. And by a little bit longer, they release him saying um, a very high-pitched guys. So guys down the hill. So he's... They're assuming he's telling them to go down the hill, which at the end of the bridge, there was a very steep hill that if you were to walk down, you they said you would probably fall or slide down, which they claim they did find some spots where it looked like somebody was either thrown down or slid down. So police beg the public to study the sketches and video and audio. They believe the suspect lives in or near Delphi, Indiana. So someone who's familiar with the area, like we said, it's a small town, everyone knows each other, And somebody has to know something. I don't know if it's a small town. Y'all need to stop protecting whoever this person is and just get it out there. Before I get into the few suspects that they did have that lead nowhere, I watched this documentary and I wonder if it's the one you watched. Is it on YouTube? Yes. (laughs) Always on YouTube. (laughs) These guys, they're using the spirit box to talk to the girls. Did you see that? Yeah. And like it's... Like, as soon as he turns the box on, it's automatically, like, he's like, hi, who is this? And they say, I mean, it's crazy. But in his, now, I don't know if I believe in those, but I guess they use, like, radio frequency to get words Mm -hmm. off of the radio to, to answer questions. So he asks, you know, I think it was Abby who was speaking, and then he says, how did you die? And then she said, knife. He even asks, like, who did this? Did and I think she said Steve. Yeah. I think he asked her because he, he, like, goes back and forth. If you watch, the like, the whole thing, mm-hmm. like, he goes home and he asks again. And then they go to a different part of the area. And then he asks again. And that same name keeps coming up. Steve. Yeah. So there's also a lot of conspiracy with this case, which is what I was going to share with you. They think it's a cover-up. So either law enforcement... Or there's a guy who's a firefighter that people think it looks like from Delphi, Indiana. There's a priest who I'll mention right now who they think who is a sex offender. They think it has to be somebody the girls know. First person of interest they had was Paul Etter. So Paul Etter on July 23rd, 2019 
was wanted for kidnapping and rape of a 26-year-old woman on June 22nd in Tippecanoe County, Indiana. So they thought maybe, I guess a lot of people said he kind of looked like the sketch. But five days later, when they went to get him or I don't know what, they had like a five-hour standoff, he committed suicide. So if it was him, Nobody we'll knows. Never know. We'll never know. The second person of interest was Daniel Nations. Now this guy is crazy. If you look at his picture, he looks like the first sketch. And by that I mean like his eye, like the eyes, mm -hmm. the nose, the eyes, and the goatee. He was a registered sex offender from Indiana. He was caught in Colorado in 2017 for threatening strangers on a monument trail with a hatchet. Now officers scanned his license, which had expired. They had a uh, expired tag. He was sentenced three years probation for the hatchet incident. So if you guys want to go threaten anyone with a hatchet, you only get probation. But uh, he was not released due to active warrants and failing to register as a sex offender in Indiana. However, he's no longer a person of interest. And like I said, go look at his mugshot. His name is Daniel Nations. It looks just like the first sketch. Now Thomas Bruce was a former pastor charged with shooting a woman and sexually assaulting two others. So his crime put him in the press in 2018, and some people noted his physique was similar to the bridge guy. So they can't tie him to the case, but he is charged for the crime he committed in St. Louis. And he took two or three women, actually, to the back of the store, threatened them with a gun, and he sexually assaulted the two, and then I think he shot the other woman, yeah. So he's in St. Louis. That happened in St. Louis, sorry. But he's from Indiana. He's actually still awaiting trial. They think he's gonna get the death penalty. So if it is him, bye bye So then we have Charles Eldridge, arrested on January 8th, 2019 in Union City, Indiana, on charges of molestation. Police in Randolph County alerted the FBI to a potential link to the Delphi murder. He too had a strong resemblance to the sketch, but no evidence, no conviction. Now, like I said, this is still an ongoing case. You can find all the information online, look at the sketches, look at the video, hear the audio, and just take a second and do that because you could be helping anybody. There's a lot of conspiracy theories. So they think the small town is, well, the craziest one I heard is the girl's dad. Remember he was gonna pick them up? Mm -hmm. They think that the bridge guy headed out for the dad. Now in those trails, lots of people said they used to do drug exchanges, other crazy stuff. Um, and there's even rumor of, which is actually huge in Indiana, in this area near us, uh, sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. It's I huge and you don't even hear about it on the news, but it's yeah. literally every month something happens because mm -hmm. it's so close to the highway that they take the girls and they just get on the highway. There's rumors that it could have been something like that. Uh, but the crazy rumor I heard was that the dad, somebody had it out for their dad who they knew was coming to pick them up. And so this person, maybe bridge guy, was after one of the girls because it's rumored. And again, nobody saw the bodies. Well, somebody found the body. Somebody saw the bodies. Mm -hmm. But it's rumored that one of the girls had more done to her than the other. Okay. And then I believe one of the girl's mother said like, oh, she would have never left her best friend alone. And then it's the cover up of this is someone from law enforcement or like I said, the firefighters and them hiding that, which is why they're not releasing any information. They're not even releasing information to the family because they I think they claim like, oh, when we catch the killer, he'll be able to confirm like this stuff that they don't want to put in the public. 
But I think if it's been this long, you better start releasing some of that stuff that you have so that somebody can help you solve this case. But yes. like you said, it, it does feel kind of like a cover-up. Like there's something there that they don't want anybody to know. In a small town, somebody's got to know something. I truly think it's either the murder or the point up to the murder that she has on her phone. But they can't release that. They can't release him talking while he's murdering them. That's awful. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something like that. That's a tough one. They were just babies. All right, so we've reached the point of the show where I ask you if you have a story. doesn't have to be a murder case. It could be a haunting. It could be an alien story. It could be anything you want to talk about as long as it's creepy. Now, wait, my sister does not see ghosts like my brother does. <laughs> I did when I was younger. I did see a ghost when I was younger, and that's actually my story. Oh, boy. Um, Because it's traumatized me all these years. (laughs) Our moms always told me, you were just dreaming. Uh But I got my confirmation later on. So my story, I think I was about probably seven, eight, nine years old, somewhere around there. We were still living on Torrance in Chicago. And we lived in a in a four unit like flat, right? Like there was four apartments in this building um, and a creepy old basement. Do you remember, do you remember going in the basement? It wasn't it even was a like basement, a, it was like a cellar. Yeah, yeah, it was like this creepy old like cellar right out of a haunted movie. <laughs> um, the house was always creepy. Um, I mean, we... Not all of it. Not all of it. There were specific spots. The back part of the the house, the back part of the building, it, you just, the energy just felt weird back there. I always felt like I was being watched all the time. We had this back room and I remember, you know, it was, we had bookshelves back there and I'd run back and get a book and, and run back to the front of the house because I always felt like I wasn't the only one in, in that back room. Anyway, so I'm like eight or nine years old and I'm asleep in my bed. My bed was close to the door, but I had to like, you know, sit up and then look back to, to look out. And I remember just kind of like leaning over because I felt something out there like I knew some something was mm-hmm. outside of the doorway sat up in my bed and I look out and I saw a, a little boy like so, a real person or like a hazy I saw him like a real person but he was it was like a silvery gray being like okay like so an alien no it's not an alien <laughs> Not an alien at all. It it looked like a real person just in black and white, mm-hmm. but with this sh- shimmer to him. It, it was it's really pretty color actually. <laughs> now that I think about <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> but this little boy, we had um like this countertop and and like we would I don't know for our birthdays we'd always put like food up on this countertop yeah and it led in it, it was this division between the kitchen and the living room yeah but the one side was covered with all mirrors do you remember that in the living room when i looked out this little boy was looking at me but it was weird because i remember him having his hands up on his head and he was just like like if he was dancing almost but just kind of like standing there and just twisting. I didn't get scared. I didn't feel scared at all. I remember looking at him and he looked like, 
I didn't know back then, but now looking, you know, that when I was older, he was, it was definitely like 1930s. Like if you remember like what the, in the movies, like what the newspaper boys look like. Oh wow. Something like that. He had that little cap mm -hmm. on. He had um, little breeches because I can see the pants where they ended at his knees, little boots and like tall socks. And the shirt, like a little, just like a, a newsboy, you know, mm -hmm. from, from the 30s. I laid back down, didn't think anything of it. When I woke up in the morning, I told mom about it. And mom, of course, you know, played it off. Oh, you, didn't, you were dreaming. You were dreaming. I'm like, no, I really did see something. I really saw something, mom. No, no, you know, don't worry about it. Don't think about it anymore. Okay, I did what I was told. I didn't think anything of it. And I always wondered... You know, did I see it? Was it a dream? And I, you know, chalked it up to, it's just a dream. I must mm -hmm. have been dreaming. It wasn't until years later, we moved to this house here, and where we live now. Here. I did not see him here. <laughs> Thank God. I think I would have freaked out. Um, but our cousins still live in, in that house. They lived there for a long time. Um, they're still there now. Our uncle lives there. Yeah. This time I was a teenager. It's probably... 15, 16 years old, and we had gone back to visit our cousins. And one of our cousins said, um, as we were walking, we were actually coming up the stairs, and she had her bedroom in the back part of the building. And we were saying, like, yeah. aren't you scared back here? Uh -huh. Like, it's creepy in the back part of the house. And she said, no. And she said, but I did see two ghosts. I said, you did? And she said, yeah, one is a boy. And I was... My heart sank. I said, he is. And she said, yeah, I named him George. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. I named him George. And I said, George. And it, it's funny because when she said that, looking back, I'm like, yeah, that name fits him. Like, it just fit him. Mm -hmm. He looked like a George. And I said, what did he look like? And when she described him, it was the same little boy <laughs> that I had seen. And that, for me, was validation i'm like oh my god i didn't dream it like it was real didn't you see him more than once though didn't our cousin see him oh more our than cousin one? yeah she, yeah, she right? used to see him yeah a few times that back room was creepy i'd love like i know you guys don't like like you know zach bagans or whatever his name is but i'd love for him to go there and see like you want to find ghosts you're gonna find them here in this house. there's a ghost finder on your cell phone really mm. i don't want to do that i'll be too scared <laughs> I'd be too scared. Yeah, um, even as a kid in that house, there were some parts of it that, like, as a kid, you don't pay attention to stuff like that, but I would get it weird. I would never go down those back stairs by myself. You got to think, like, old Chicago homes. That's what this home was. It was a it's tall apartment building. I would always stare up at those windows in the front. Oh, yeah. Every time I would park in front of that They're house, creepy. I would look up there because I would just feel like somebody's looking down at yep. me. Somebody's watching out that window. They were two big, uh -huh. just open windows, yeah. We had a neighbor up there, too, when I was younger. They were kind of weird. Mm -hmm. I don't remember how long they lived there, but they used to say weird things used to happen there, too. That was creepy, and that, for me, was like, my mother <laughs> lied to me all these years. And actually, just a couple months ago, right, I, we were talking about this, and she said, <laughs> I lied to you. I didn't want you to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks, Mom. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that was, uh, that was something for me that I was like, okay, I did see a ghost. There's another one and, uh, this one 
happened to me in the rancho. After, we hadn't been there like in seven years. And then when I turned 14, I think we went back. And then I was hooked. I was going like every summer I'd go by myself. Yeah. So I was familiar with everybody, everything out in the rancho. And one of our favorite pastimes, even when we go now, is you can go out to the Camino or the little center of the town. Which is like the, the town, town center, yeah. yeah. Go to the store, you chat with friends. Get your chetos. Get your chetos. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you come back and... and Everybody kind of does, they're, they're off doing their own thing. So we have cousins who stayed over there and we were all there. I think there was like a handful of us. I don't think you were there. I think it was just me. I remember one of our cousins who's now in Pennsylvania. He was there. Some cousins from Texas, they were down there. And we had all done our own thing and we came back. Like it was the best part of the evening because mm-hmm. we're all talking about what we did and we're hanging out on the patio everybody's telling their stories think what happened not to put anybody on blast but somebody had eaten chicharron with like a lot of chile and we were teasing them that when you go to the bathroom it's gonna hurt coming out no it's not no it's not well later on in the night this person was trying to go to the bathroom and was screaming. Oh, my God. So they call, you know, my tia. My tia's over there trying to help them. And we're, like, cracking up. We're being, we're, we're being just jerks. We're laughing and we're laughing. I had just gone in just to describe the area, our patio area in the back. It's like we've got all these buildings. We've got, there's a kitchen on one side. There's um, a building, and it's got two bedrooms right across from the kitchen. And there's the open patio area. There's a bathroom off to one side. So, like, if you want to get into these buildings, you're literally going through the patio area and then getting into where you have to go to. So I crossed the patio area, and I was going into the bedroom. I was getting ready for bed. We had the TV on. We were all, you know, cracking jokes. And I hear my tia from outside. She starts yelling for me. Lauda! Lauda! Her yelling, I knew something was wrong because I didn't even want to go to the doorway I was mm-hmm. we're chickens you know <laughs> yes we're big yes, chickens we and, and the way she was yelling I'm like oh my god that doesn't sound good I get up and I go just into the entry of the doorway looking out and I said what do you want <laughs> <laughs> and she said come here come here I see something and I need you to tell me if what I'm looking at is real nope I had all the hairs on oh, my no. skin you know just everything I was like uh, what do you see? I told her. And she said, no, I don't want to tell you because you're going to get scared, but come here. But let me show you. <laughs> but let me show you. <laughs> and I was like, nope, not today, Tia, not today. I was like, uh, no, um, tell me what you see and maybe I'll go out there. Our other cousin was sleeping in the other bedroom, so he came out because he heard us talking. Mm-hmm. And he's standing in the doorway. We're, we're standing there and she says, I see a guy up on the roof. She said, but he's silver. He's got a striped shirt on. It's silver. His eyes are silver. And I was like, I don't care what color he is. I'm not going out there. (laughs) And as we're debating, because then she's telling our cousin, come here, come here. And he's like, no, I'm not going. You're no more. You're no more. He's a chicken too, by the way. (laughs) And as we're standing out there arguing over who's going to go see this guy up on the roof, we hear footsteps. And the footsteps, ugh. I'll never forget what they sound like. I like watching those ghost shows because (laughs) the things that they pick up, especially footsteps, are supposed to be like 
ghostly footsteps, but that's exactly what it sounded like. This slow, like you knew it wasn't a person's body because the steps were too light, mm-hmm. but yet they were loud enough for all of us to hear. And if you were inside the house, you didn't hear them. You literally had to be outside and then you can hear outside. So we heard them. Everybody course, heard them? It was me, our tia, and our cousin, the one person in the bathroom didn't hear them. <laughs> Good. They didn't hear them. And I don't remember if the kids inside, they never said anything. I remember running into like going into the room and I was like, oh no. Shut the door. Shut the door. <laughs> Shut the door. Our tia was laughing, you know, and because she said that in that moment, like the guy disappeared, like there was nothing up on the roof anymore. So after a few minutes, we got up enough courage and we went back out. We were, of course, I was going to make our cousin go up there. I'm like, you go up there. You go up there and look. What if somebody's trying to rob us? Or what if, you know. Was was the stairs there? No. They this was before the stairs. Okay. And now, now they've got that canopy. So I think mm-hmm. I can be out there all night. I was going to tell you, I sat there. there in the dark one time for a long time. Really? It was pitch black. Yeah. Now I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I know uh, when we took like Vani, Vani was like walking up the mm-hmm. back by herself. I'm like, you're not afraid? No, I'm okay. <laughs> While we're standing there and we're trying to make somebody go up to the roof to make sure like it wasn't a real person, you hear the footsteps again. And it's like, finally, our cousin was like, fine, fine. I'll go. I'm going to go up there. He got up there and he comes back down and he goes, there's nobody. But those footsteps, I'll never forget that sound. Mm-hmm. It was very creepy. Very creepy. Did <laughs> so, you sleep? Uh, with headphones. <laughs> the way I sleep in Mexico. <laughs> with headphones. And it was, I remember it was hot that night. I had those windows <laughs> shut, the door locked, triple locked. Like, I didn't want to hear anything after that. I love being there, but the nighttime can be a little creepy. <laughs> There's just... Yes. There's so many different... It's so dark, you know? That's the thing is it's so dark and people are afraid of the dark because you don't see anything. Yeah. How about when we uh, were sleeping in Artia's house in the back? Oh, yeah. That is the most clear sound I've ever heard. And to experience it with not just you, but V as well, it woke us all up. Yeah. And then to hear that a lot of people hear a horse running through that yard. It literally sounded like somebody rode a horse up to but, our window. But now that I, I think know. about it, it was fast. Like a horse galloping, right? Yeah. The yard is not, it's big, but it's not big enough to gallop a horse across. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, where do you come in with a horse? It's all fenced around. But this was like, what, four in the morning? Yeah. We heard a horse gallop through my grandma's yard. And it woke us up enough for us to be like, oh my gosh, somebody's riding a horse. And then we all sat quiet because we were like, oh my God, somebody's Somebody. riding a horse. <laughs> There's no way. There's nobody. I mean, we, we tried to play it off like, oh, it was our cousin. He came to scare us. But thinking more about it, like, no, if you're going to ride a big horse and get him through that little iron gate, <laughs> you, we would hear the gate open or yes. something. This was a horse and galloping it was, right up. It was so close that I was expecting him to knock on the door. Me too. That's what I was waiting for because I think we both said, like, oh, I can't believe he did it. Because backstory, our cousin the night before was saying, I'm going to go wake you girls up. I'm going to wake you girls up. We thought it was him. But he literally said, I'm going 
No, he didn't say he was going to bring a horse. Now I'm making stuff up. No. He just he, said he was going to wake us up early in the morning. But he does have a horse, and we figured, okay. He's- I think when we asked him about it, we, we were talking about it. And I'm like, did you go to, to Grandma's house in the morning? And he said, I was sleeping. Because it wasn't. <laughs> we looked at each other like, okay, it wasn't him. <laughs> that was just confirmation. <laughs> we just wanted to make sure. <laughs> but I still wasn't scared. Like, because we slept in the room the next night and the next yeah. night, so. There's a lot of, like, um, I think they're, like, residual energy, you know? Yes. Like, this, this probably just happened. And Mom time. and I talked about this. It's so old. Yeah. That land is so old and people have lived on it so long. It's impossible to not feel something. Yeah. I used so. to talk to uh, our great-grandpa. His stories were amazing, but he used to tell us all the time that he would see, like, revolutionary women like walking mm-hmm. on the on the grounds there and i thank goodness i never did and that's kind of like when i'm there that's how i feel it's creepy because it's so dark but then but i've never had a feeling of fear no and i have walked places by myself like this last time we went i would go by myself up and down to our house back to grandma's i never felt like ooh, somebody's looking at me or somebody's no. behind me or somebody's Never, never feel that. No. But if I had heard the Yorona, I don't think I'd be going back to the rancho for a long time. <laughs> well, it's been a while. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Anything else you want to say? No. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so if you're into murder and serial killers and crimes like these, Um, I hope you stick around and join me again because in the future, I definitely will talk about more stuff like this. I do want to remind you that the case of Abby and Libby is still open. If you have the time, like I said, just go take a minute and look at those sketches or that video or hear that audio because anybody in this area can have one little piece of information that could break this case. So if you have information or something you know, you can always email Abby and Libby Tip at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F.com. You can also call their tip hotline at 844-459-5786 or just call the Indiana State Police and you can find that number online. It's important to just take a second and when you hear something like this, just look. It's not going to hurt you. Just look. You never know. You never know. Um, but thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening. Um, share this episode with a friend. Share it online. That would be even better. <laughs> You'd be helping me out. But you know what's really good is if you go to Apple Podcast and leave me a five-star rating and a short comment because when doing that, they will promote me more to other listeners. So that would really help me. I'm happy to see my numbers go up every week. (laughs) You can't do better than that, so I can't complain. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good weekend. And if you have a story or an experience you'd like to share with me, don't forget, you can email me at creepychisme for you. That's the number four, Y O U, at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Facebook groups. Uh, just search creepy space chisme. Or you can find me on Instagram at creepychisme. 
Every time I post an episode, I also post a picture or pictures that go along with it. So don't forget to go check those out on my Instagram and leave a comment down below. What was your favorite part about this? What's your take on both of these cases? Because believe me, when you open the world of serial killers and murder, everyone has an opinion. Everyone has an idea. So I would love to get that conversation started in my Facebook group or on Instagram or on Twitter. Gracias por escuchar y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thank you for listening and don't forget, stay creepy.